slash and cast. Welcome, fiends, to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. We are smack dab in the middle of Spooktober, which has uh, been already a roller coaster. So many major releases, really big news for genre fans. And, uh, you know, we're going to be spending the next couple of months. We're trying to uh, kind of like weave our way through things and hit some major releases, both from streaming services, theatrical releases, uh, as well as stuff that is hitting in the video on demand. And uh, with me to help break down our latest venture into that is, of course, my co-host, Hallie Hooch and John. Guys, how are you doing Hi. tonight? Good. We're doing good. good. Got reanimator shirts. We got matching shirts on today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, I didn't get this memo, I don't have my reanimator shirt on, so I broke, I bucked the trend, but, uh, you know. Who are you wearing today, Nonetheless, <laughs> uh, I'm wearing a wrestling ooh. shirt. Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah, ooh. I mean, it's, it's supernatural in its own way, but, uh, you know, I didn't get the memo, so I'm not wearing my, uh... My reanimator shirt, even though I have one, it's just not on me at this current time. Uh, but anyways, just as a reminder, we have been doing uh, our 61 days of Halloween watch parties uh, nightly over on Stream Lounge, focusing on 80s genre releases. So that's been a ton of fun. And obviously, we still got, you know, a couple more weeks of that before we wrap things up. Uh, but tonight, we are taking a look at the new Hulu release uh, of Hellraiser, which just came out here this past week. It's one I've already watched more than once at this point. I watched it when it came out. I also watched it again last night for our Twisted Tuesday stream. And this was directed by David uh, Bruckner, who had just done The Night House right before this, which was one of, actually, it was my top rated movie of last year. So, like, I had high expectations kind of going in. And obviously, like, we kind of knew somewhat what to expect in regards to, like, what version of Pinhead we were going to get because we were getting a good amount of, like, behind-the-scenes look in regards to, like, the aesthetics. And, uh, you know, like, for the most part, you know, I've, I've, you know, been looking over on my Twitter timeline to, like, kind of get a feel of, you know, what people are saying about the movie, what they're liking, what they're not liking. And it seems like, for the most part the lore of this one is kind of what's losing some of the people. A lot of the visuals are bringing people in, but they were wanting more from the Cenobites uh, rather than, you know, what we were getting in, in this case. But, you know, we'll get to that point. But I just want to get your overall feelings of this remake of it and uh, how you guys felt it differed from the original. Well, I I definitely have some things to say. I'm a, a fan of Hellraiser. It's definitely the first two Hellraiser movies are among my favorite horror movies yeah. of all time. I love, I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. 
when I was a kid, I kind of, I liked Stephen King, and then uh, the Books of Blood were coming out, and there was always a big Stephen King quote, like that Clive Barker is the future of horror. And so I'm definitely, like, I, I don't know if I want to, I definitely have issues with the lore. I liked the movie overall, but I definitely have, some like it's funny you mention people having oh, some man. problems with the lore because I do too. Uh, but I mm -hmm. I did like the movie overall though. I like the movie too. Um, I do have uh, some other comments, but mine are going to be a little bit more superficial. I mean, I've seen the Hellraiser movies, but I haven't rewatched those since I since you know many years ago. And I while I did really enjoy the movie, I have to admit that uh, you know when I was a kid growing up, like the Hellraiser movies were like the pinnacle of like horror like that was the kind of shit I couldn't look at straight on I have to like you know do one of these and um one of my biggest complaints I think I already told John was when in several if not all of the torture scenes in the new movie like I don't I, I didn't think the screams were very credible <laughs> I was always like oh I've mm. got like hooks inside my my flesh and seven different parts of my body and somebody's going ah <laughs> so <laughs> I well okay so let me let me wrap that up. I I wasn't as scared as I used to be with the Hellraiser movies. Although of course a big part of that is that I'm a grown ass woman. I'm not you know some little kid anymore like looking at Pinhead and you know head to toe leather and freaking the fuck out. Yeah, and you know that was one of the other things I saw a lot of people commenting on was the actual uh, use of leather and kind of like the changes that we had seen. Uh, at least with BDSM culture. Obviously, like in the 80s, it was vastly different from what we're currently seeing uh, nowadays. So we're not really seeing as much leather-clad outfits as we were used to seeing when uh, Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 initially came out. But I would say, like, for the most part, like, aesthetically, this movie is extremely pleasing. There's a lot of, like, dream aesthetics. Um, I, I really liked the... Uh, changes that we had to the cube in itself. So we got to see different uh, figurations and, you know, it was kind of like based off of how many uh, sacrifices we had over the course uh, of the movie. And also like the, the Vought Mansion in particular, I thought was really intriguing because not only was it a, a way to uh, entrap uh, the Cenobites, but it was all, it also felt like just like an extension of the cube almost, which is the way that the walls would constantly be able to rotate same with like the roof uh, as well. So I thought that was really unique in its own way. Mm, definitely. It, so there were some 1990s comics that came out uh, that after, during the time of the first and second movie that expanded some of that lore. And some of that stuff actually comes from those comics where uh, there was a, a story in one where an architect builds a building that is itself one of the cubes and is like a puzzle in itself. Uh, it, 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 I kind of noticed how they kind of, it seems like they were kind of drawing a little bit from that uh, with the house, the mansion. But um, also the, you mentioned the, the BDSM, which I really feel like, Clive Barker is the person who brought BDSM into horror because before the first Hellraiser movie, you really kind of didn't have that sort of thing. Hmm. And it goes also, and this is something kind of one of my sort of 
slight issues with this movie is that it kind of goes to also the Cenobites themselves, where the thing that I always liked about the Cenobites that I think is really cool about them is that they're not these like monsters or demons that chase you around and try to kill everybody in sight. The You have to call them like they don't just try to come to anyone who, you know, or any anyone anywhere. It's like you have to go out of your way to get them to come to you. And then they're very kind of like regal and sort of sophisticated acting almost, you know, like they're polite. Elitist. Yeah, they're elitist and polite, even. Uh, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. Pinhead, the original Pinhead, Pinhead is very polite. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and yeah, and and you mentioned the aesthetics. <laughs> I mean, as crazy to for praise for this movie, as crazy as it is to say, I almost think I like the Cenobites best in this movie than the original ones. I mean, Pinhead is iconic, and he's great and everything, but they definitely took it to the next level with the new Pinhead. Because I'm sure you guys noticed that the new Pinhead technically isn't wearing any clothes. Although her, the gown is flesh. It's her skin, yeah. Ah, yeah, I noticed that. That's pretty like cool. It's like peeled and moved around so that it's like a like dress. Retailored. Yeah. Like, it's retailored skin, which mm -hmm. is very creepy, but also very cool. And there's a lot more elegance to the, the monsters. All, although you could also say a lot more money. So mm -hmm. uh, all of the monsters are really expansive. And they're cool, like the yeah. the new version of the Chatterer, mm -hmm. which is the map, the two, the one that with finally the he's chunk. biting. I was when, when he bit down on that arm, I'm like finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technically, the Chatterer never bites anybody. I think in the first two. That's why I was like, if you're going to chatter your teeth, you want them to go into something. Mm -hmm. But he looked. I thought all of pretty much all the Cenobites the I thought looked better yeah. uh, in this movie than in the other ones, which is kind of crazy to say. Well, they look up uh, mm -hmm. the the. Um, it looks like the special or just the quality of the special effects was very heightened, whereas before it was like focused on the head or the throat and then like leather. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Or, or here is like the whole body is just you know mm -hmm. very artistically done. Which probably speaks to the, especially for the first movie, the budget of the movie, where they could mm -hmm. probably literally only afford to do the yeah. head and shoulders makeup and then put leather for the rest. But I did even, but I did already like mention how I was so much, it was, they, they also have the benefit of the, um, uh, of, I know you, you say you don't like the lore, they also have the benefit of the, what do you call it, uh, just, you know, the, the history of the Cenobites and they get to improve on that mm -hmm. where like they're a lot more elegant, but also like I mentioned, like I wasn't as terrified of them as I was of the original crop. Although the guy with a stretched out face, that's that guy that got me. That got me. I got scared. It's not that I don't like the lore. I'll, I'll get more specific, okay. but I, I actually liked some of the new additions to the lore and then other stuff I was like, yeah. Mm. I like that this written down. Yeah, they had a book. <laughs> I was like, yes, there's a book. They had a book of the dead. I paused it. I was like, uh-huh, okay. Well, that's a, okay. a Necronomicon. Yeah. <laughs> Lament with, with life. Drawings very similar, yeah. almost kind of, to the Necronomicon from Evil Dead a little bit. I just, uh, I'm a nerd. I like something I can study. Yeah, no, they, oh yeah, you know, go ahead, Pete.
I was going to say, like, I, I really feel like outside of just the lore aspect, really the only other, like, note that I saw that, you know, was kind of, like, shying some people away from rating it higher was more in regards to the blood sacrifices that we saw throughout the movie. Uh, whereas, like, in this one, like, it didn't matter if it was a human, if it was a person that initially opened the box, hell, it could have even been one of the, one of the mm -hmm. Cenobites being one of the targets. As long as there was blood being infused, uh, that's all that really mattered. A sacrifice had to be made in order to, you know, reach the next configuration. Uh, and, you know, I, I, a lot of people had issues with that, specifically when it came to actually using it against Okay, like, you yeah. might have an issue on that, but were you not blown away when that happened? I mean, I'm sitting there watching a movie, she stabs Chatter... Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, he very much so, like, well, you got me. And he backs up and he waits his turn to die. Mm -hmm. And I was, I don't know, I was freaking out. Because. Yeah, I I honestly loved it. I was like, oh, like, shit. <laughs> like, this is completely different well, in a good way. I don't want to jump ahead too much. But I, initially, I was kind of, like, I don't like the fact that she was able to use it against a Cenobite. Only what it, wants. It felt sort of video gamey where almost it was like it doesn't like this it doesn't matter that it's one of their own beings like it, it can still work Bear's on fair. it yeah. on one hand I didn't well I mean to be fair they were still gonna get a trade one way or the other at the well, end my problem with it was that they already technically have that person like whoever that Cenobite is mm -hmm. they've already they're already oh. part of hell they've got their soul basically or whatever mm -hmm. but then i was okay with it then i came around and liked it because it's and not to jump ahead too much i mean obviously we spoil everything with spoiled everything but uh ultimately it was i was okay with it because the whole story was essentially one big sort of trick by Pinhead mm -hmm. to capture Vought or Voight, whatever his name mm -hmm. is, Boy. to recapture Boy. him and bring him back to hell. And so the fact that it worked, the fact that they went through the course of that like ritual and doing all that stuff, it was really like... Oh, you, we don't have to concede that they were uh, outsmarted because technically they weren't. They weren't outsmarted because mm -hmm. it was all part of uh, Pinhead's plan from the beginning, which is kind of the mind-blowing thing. And I, and I kind of wonder if some people who are giving it some negative reviews mm -hmm. maybe didn't pick up on the fact... And this, I'll go into some other stuff too where I had problems with the lore that I ended up liking because... One of my problems with this movie was that in previous movies, uh, Uncle Frank is able to escape hell in the first two Hellraiser movies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the story of the first two movies is Pinhead. Uh, basically, that's a huge deal to the Cenobites because they're obviously like these super high level demon creatures and the, uh, and, Pinhead, the worst possible thing is the idea that somebody could escape from him and get away. And so a big part of the first two movies is trying to get Uncle Frank back into hell again. It's not your uncle. You just call him Frank. Well, no, because he's <laughs> Uncle Frank. Because <laughs> also, like, the creepy uncle, that's one of the genius things about the first two movies. It's creepy. like the whole creepy uncle concept. Uh, but... Um, and so this movie is 
I I was sort of disappointed because I was like, the whole first three quarters of the movie makes it feel like the purpose of the box is just to go around and stab people and then be like, gotcha. Yeah. Now you have to go to hell because I stabbed you. Ah. And, and, and then it was like, <laughs> oh, she happened to not get stabbed. So she doesn't have to go to hell. Like it was so kind of like these semantic rules that it felt a little bit silly um, that they were sort of reducing the lore to be kind of more of like a standard Hollywood type of thing. Like, like the ring where it's like, Oh, you watched the tape. So now Samara is going to kill you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you watch the tape, they'll get you. And it felt like they were sort of making it like if the box gets you with its little stinger, then that's it. Like you go to hell. But then I was relieved and thought, oh, that's really cool and clever when we realize, no, like, really, um, uh, Pinhead is kind of this puppet master in the story who's sort of, this is like the long con, like the playing the long game of manipulating all these people and moving all these kind of pieces around to eventually recapture Vaughn and bring him back. You mean like because at the towards the end where they're like we're allowing you to stay, that part the that's or is there did, did I miss a part? <laughs> what about it being about capturing Vaughn? Um, uh, I guess not. Well, well they they give her that choice at the end, you know, where she t- gets they're like you get to choose. Well, no, yeah, but no, before that, we're there at the where um, Pinhead is at the water or at the lake or something or some sort of water. Mm-hmm. feature outside of the uh, the mansion mm-hmm. but i'm trying to okay so they <laughs> maybe i should go review my notes but uh okay yeah all right they just i mean Vought was just gonna have them take he could have just chosen lament but he was already stuck with with um with so, sensation so so one of my problems uh, let me uh go a little yes, bit further into my theory about this i think this is the thing of the movie but it's not totally spelled out it's kind of like uh a little told a little bit in a vague way, but um, in the first movie, especially uh, the box, like I feel is not literally like a puzzle. It's not like a Rubik's cube where you try to like solve the sides. It's more like a, a test. Like in the first movie, uncle Frank, you know, uh, they say in the movie that it's for, uh, they have this cool quote where it's like uh, experiencers, like in the outer or explorers in the outer realm oh, of right. experience, yeah. where it's these people who like re- want the most extreme experiences that they can possibly right, find. They're bored and, stuff. Mm-hmm. and so they, they seek out the box because there's legends around the box that you can you know, get this like ultimate pleasure, at least in the first story, it's about how you can, the box will give you ultimate pleasures. And then the twist is that the Cenobites believe that you achieve. (laughs) Well, they, they believe it. They're not liars is the cool thing. They believe that, uh, the, the way to achieve yeah. the ultimate pleasure is through the ultimate pain, you know, through thousands of years of torture that you'll eventually be experiencing. So, In time, if you invest enough, 
you will get a little bit of pleasure after a thousand years of pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it sucks. But, and so the box is like a test. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so when Uncle Frank, you know, when somebody like Uncle Frank gets the box and they mess around with it, they're going to solve it because they want it so bad that it's just going to solve for them and they're going to meet. Uh, okay. And then in the second movie, the reason uh, uh, he, the doctor in the second movie gets a girl who sort of mentally has problems, but she can solve puzzles. And when uh, Pinhead shows up, he knows I, I'm not here for this girl who solved the puzzle. I'm here for this doctor who made you solve the puzzle. He's the one that actually wants me to show up. And so... I'm like almost losing my train of thought. Well, <laughs> so long story short, long, long story short, uh, I was disappointed that this movie seemed to be sort of wiping that away and saying like, that's not how the box works. That, uh, you know, you can, anyone can solve it mm -hmm. and anyone can be taken by the Cenobites. But then was like relieved because we find out that ultimately he really had, Pinhead really wants Vaught. That's mm -hmm. who he's real, or she, I'm sorry. Is, okay. this, I mean, in the book, they are genderless, but uh, um, that's who Pinhead is really after because he's the one who really wants Pinhead right. to show up, not uh, not the girl, the main character. Nice. <laughs> sorry. I, I knew I was going to have to go on sort of a long a rant. rant about the lore. I dig your rants. <laughs> but uh and so but i do think i don't know what you guys think about this but like <clears throat> i liked the fact that they kind of got around to that in a long sort of made their way around to that by the end of the movie but i was a little bit like i felt like when they were in the haunted mansion mm -hmm. and it's like the young pe it's all young people and they're being picked off like one by one by right. the Cenobites. And it felt kind of like, Oh, like we're sort of doing that. Like, yeah. Early 2000s yeah. kind of thing, you know, I don't know. What did you think? Did you, did you, but then the mansion ended up, but then it ended up <laughs> being good because they, but then it was fine because of how it ended. It you know, was that's what's so be, interesting yeah. and weird. What do you think, T? Mm -hmm. Well, like, for me, I, I'm really glad that they just went a different direction in regards to the way that they were telling the story. Because, obviously, like, you're following um, the main, the main actress. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Riley, yeah. She was the recovering addict. And in a lot of ways, this kind of reminded me quite a bit of, like, the Evil Dead remake. Because that dealt with addiction uh fairly heavily too so her like entire arc in this story like she didn't she she's already a tortured soul as it is so like she didn't need to like have that reward at the end because she's already like living her life full of guilt because of all the actions that you know she was going through over the course of this entire movie so the way that like her arc kind of progressed i was really uh happy with but i have to say like for the most part like i laughed so hard you know obviously like you know a lot of people are like, well, this movie wasn't just horny enough for, for like, the nature of the movie. And, you know, I can, I can kind of understand that. But I laughed so hard after, like, she's hooking up with her boyfriend. And she's walking out. And, like, her brother and her roommates are, like, all having, like, dinner, basically. 
And of course, you know, you have that tension between the brother and uh, the guy who's fucking his sister, you know, right out of the gates. And as soon as he leaves, yeah. you know, here's <laughs> fucking. Yeah, we can only yeah. hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I was watching the Hellraiser, though, this is. Uh, it was, like, so random, because, like, I was streaming it, like, through my laptop onto the TV, because, like, our Hulu, for whatever reason, isn't working on, like, our smart TV. So I had it hooked up uh, with the HDMI cord. And then, like, an hour and a half into the movie, it was actually, like, pretty close to, like, when they were getting to the mansion uh, towards the, the third act of the movie. Like, the TV just randomly turned off. I'm like... What the fuck is going on? Uh, so I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, I checked, you know, the the power of the TV. I tried the remote. Nothing was working. I checked, um, I checked, like, the outlet, make sure that was fine, which, which it was. Uh, our surge protector just completely went out. So, like, all of the outlets that was on it were completely shot. So I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, it wasn't, like... There was no, like, storm or anything, but the thing just, like, shit out on us. And I've never, I have never had that happen with any power surge I've had. Nice. Haunted. Haunted power surge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's a, that's a I, power surge. Uh, well, going point. back to Riley, um, there's, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, mm, I guess there's some people that didn't really connect with her character because she wasn't incredibly likable and whatnot. And just from some of the, some of the other reviews, but I've really, I, I hope it's it's not exactly a trope, but I really kind of appreciate when they kind of mix addiction with with horror. So then you have like a, a recovering addict uh, dealing with with a horror situation and how their previous struggles sort of tend to be a sort of a, a life skill that helps them through the current trauma. And I thought that was you know that was incorporated into this, and I I, I don't know I, I I like that story. Like it's a little heavier and it's a little um, I don't know like I. I was rooting for her for sure, you know, and and um, you can sort of understand that her losing her brother was like the catalyst of, uh, of of her, you know, basically rejecting both. Well, I don't know if she's rejecting her addiction, but definitely rejecting the the uh, the idea that she can sort of uh, bring him back and that, he, that his, her life will be whole again, because he was basically the only reason she was trying to, you know, do better was to try to sort of salvage that relationship. So um, I dug it. Yeah, I, so they d did try to do some character development with her, which was mm -hmm. cool. Like they had, I liked how they did, um, she was like a, rec a recovering addict, I think an alcoholic maybe, or well, kind pales. of everything. It was pales. Um, and then they were like, oh, are you drinking? Like, because she'd kind of been drinking a little yeah. bit, hanging out with the guy. And also they showed how she like the sex that does happen in the movie is her basically having sex with him as sort of like a replacement for drugs and alcohol where right. she's like i want I can't like, give everything up <laughs> and it kind of plays into that whole wanting experiences that are sort of beyond just like just the regular you know not that like sex is so extreme but like her with like the drugs and alcohol where she kind of like uh, they were, I think, kind of, like, having it be a little like that was... Although she wasn't a super, like, needy, like, wanting all these extreme experiences. Right, it was just, like, band-aids, basically. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. If, I, I definitely uh, like the fact that they didn't go with the cliche of uh, all of her friends finding out that, that it's her fault. 
that they're dying. Oh, <laughs> Did you yeah, guys yeah. notice that nobody <laughs> figured it out? Disappeared. Yeah, well, like, it's her fault. Well, it's not her fault that her brother got sucked into the whole mess. But it is her fault that she didn't tell everybody exactly what was going on and that she'd run away. Yeah. And so all of her friends are getting picked off and then she just keeps moving forward because at that point she's still thinking that she can bring back her brother. So she continues to move forward with her half-baked plan. <laughs> and then uh, and her friends don't find out. I was like, wow, all right. Got away with that one. <laughs> and and that was kind of the thing was that uh, she was kind of being used by Pinhead to kind right. of keep that moving forward where we find the twist that her boyfriend... Uh, it worked. Right, he wasn't on it. Although he was still liked her, though. So that love, that I love you, that he blurts out while they're having sex, that kind of freaks her out, was genuine, I guess. Because at first, <laughs> when I when I saw that he was like a double agent, I was like, oh, okay, so maybe he was just trying to play her still. But I guess, considering the, the how the movie ended, then it was genuine affection that he felt for her, although he didn't completely disavow Bot Voight either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then managed to help out with the with the plan at the end. So. It's hard to say how much he knew, because mm. he definitely was being paid to get the box into her hands. Because that we find, you know, that's sort of one of the sort of twists at the end is that it was intentional that she ended up yeah. with it. Uh, so, but they kind of do show that like all these characters are young and don't really have like steady jobs or like careers and money is like an issue. And so he, on one hand, he may have only done it because he was getting a bunch of money to do it. And maybe he thought like, well, it's just this box. Like it's not a big deal. Right. But then at the other, on the other hand, they do kind of show that he knows there's something that, he has There's a little bit of understanding it. of the, the the supernatural elements of the box. Yeah. It, one of the funny things in it before that we find out that he's a bad guy is whenever uh, she tries to hand him the box or get him involved, he's like, "I'm not touching I'm cool. it. I don't want." I don't <laughs> do it. And I thought that was funny at first because it's like uh, it's kind of funny to have that character be like that because in a traditional horror movie, he would have been like. Oh, that's all BS, baby. Like that's stupid. Uh, you know, like that kind of like the jock, like sort of the asshole jock mm-hmm. type of character. But he was very like, I don't, I'm not getting involved with any of that supernatural <laughs> stuff. I'm not touching any of that. But then we find out though, it's because he basically kind of knew that it was bad, or at least he suspected because if a billionaire wants this thing because it's supernatural then there must be something this is straight up elon musk like alley like this is exactly the kind of shit he would get into right i mean if you were you know if you had that many billions like chalked i'm willing to bet that this is what you'd buy with it oh totally like if you're like a billionaire and you're you're and you hear that there's some kind of like uh, experience artifact (laughs) that you can like get that might have something to it like they're definitely gonna buy it as you're like eating like out of like Hitler's cereal bowl as you're researching exactly. like the box because you can afford that kind of shit and you're kind of a creep. <laughs> I I just laughed though that like Riley didn't find it suspicious at all that the box was literally the only thing in yeah. the the storage warehouse that was abandoned. It's like. It's yeah, such an obvious have, trap. <laughs> she should have come to the same conclusion that basically 
she if was, this thing is yeah. in here. But she already doesn't make the best decisions, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, too, that oh, the no. other reason, uh, uh, I'll just get this one out quick. The other reason that I, I like the element of, like, putting an, a, a person who's addicted to substances into the movie was that it really gives um, a pass to a lot of red flags in the movie that it, if, if it were any other person, you're like, really? You're not going to react to this? Mm -hmm. But because she's so under the influence, she even like tells herself, like, I've been hallucinating. Yeah. I've been seeing things. It's mm -hmm. got to be this or this. I mean, and because she already has the experience of maybe having seen some of that in the past, but not with what she took. That that was the only thing to, that she could say was like, I've this is the same dose that I took before. I've never seen shit before. But thinking that it still has something to do with her recovery and and her go, uh, and her relapse, so I I don't know I like that that um, mm -hmm. I've seen it before you can call it a trope where you know because you're under the influence you you walk past a lot of red flags, but I still kind of enjoy it because I think it's like What's she's real? a reasonable it's a reasonable thing to uh, expect. Out of it's situation. a real thing that people do in real life. Like it's not one of those decisions that people make in horror movies where you're like, why would somebody do that? I, I think you said, literally just said that, but mm -hmm. where, uh, yeah, it's like decisions that don't make any sense that only movie characters do, mm -hmm. but at least like it does. And, uh, which as you said, T, as you mentioned, uh, the evil dead remake, that's exactly what they also do in the evil dead remake where it's they're drugs. like, oh, is it the drugs that she's like having these experiences or is there something actually happening? Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say, though, is it does actually kind of work. I was suspicious about like, why didn't she why isn't she suspicious about the box? But the thing that actually worked was that I think she says something about how she suspects that maybe this is some kind of artifact that's worth money. The, the the box itself is because mm -hmm. you know how wealthy you see stories in the news about how wealthy people illegally buy our uh, ancient artifacts. Oh from, yeah, all the like, time. Jews and places mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and it's so, not hard. Yeah, and so this could have been something like that, where basically Hobby Lobby. Uh, mm -hmm. Exactly, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have one of the boxes. They uh, probably have a fake box. <laughs> <laughs> Which. Uh, they took this movie also feels more influenced by Hellraiser two than by Hellraiser one, because a lot of the expanded lore in this movie comes mainly from Hellraiser oh. two, which I really I I liked. It feels very comic booky to me, the expanded lore where you see the actual spelled out where. On one hand, I liked it, and on one hand, I thought it was a little bit goofy. But the book where the all the uh, configurations, the different configurations. Okay, I like that. It, I know. I like <laughs> it's like in the previous movies, especially. I'm mainly talking about the first two. Uh, the book, the box, just sort of changes shape as part right. of the process of solving it or whatever. Um, but to, they sort of take that and are like, no, no, no. Like, the each shape is like a different specific thing. But, uh, you know, where it had a label, there was like the, there was the, what, the lament configuration, mm -hmm. which is the actual box. And there was the um, Leviathan configuration. That's the, big one. That's the, the top one, or the, I guess the last one on the list, mm -hmm. but the biggest one in. Which is. And that's, like, pretty fun because that comes from Hellraiser 2. When they, in Hellraiser 2, when they go to hell, 
it looks like it looks like in this movie where it's like a big stone labyrinth. Uh, that's from Hellraiser two, and then in Hellraiser two, the there's a giant uh, that that Leviathan configuration. There's a giant version of that that hovers over the right. labyrinth and like shines that black the black light on people, and then they have like horrible hallucinations. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool in a way, but also sort of like. It's that thing where, like, sometimes having it be, things be sort of mysterious is cool, and sometimes mm. if you over-explain things, it can be a little bit... We can't win with you, John. I know. Not enough lore, too much lore. I know, but then it's funny that <laughs> did like it, though. It's the weird thing. I sort of liked it and thought it was a little off at the same time. Okay. Um, T, did you have anything to, to throw in? Uh, not really, but I, I am glad, like, right out of the gate, we did get to see the Leviathan mm -hmm. uh, configuration. Because that's when we got the initial sacrifice, uh, when the when the chains really started to come into play right at the start. So I thought it was interesting to see, like, the final form, like, right out of the gate, mm -hmm. and then we, over the course, saw the other oh, figurations I was going to say that another super, a superficial note would be that uh, I kind of wish it was more gore. I kind of wish it was a little bit grosser. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly light on the blood mm -hmm. and uh, gore. They have. Well, it says they don't like show half the kills, like on screen. Wait, they sh well, they showed half of them. Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, they, no, they don't really right. show. Oh, I see. Where like them, they get know? in the in the um, in the in the precarious situation, and then before they are mm -hmm. actually killed, it yeah, like, cuts away. It cuts away. Bit. Yeah. And you don't get, I think you get a brief skinless person, right, in the movie, where, because in the first two movies, one of the huge aspects of the story is the skinless, the person who is Uncle Frank, I think in both the first two, where he uh, is reforming and is skinless. But yeah, they kind of did that. he makes out with the... Uh, yeah, he uh, makes out with her. The best, I love the... <laughs> the best is uh, when he is skinless, wearing a white suit with the blood <gasps> soaking through, and he smokes... He's smoking a cigarette in the second Hellraiser Uncle movie. Frank's so cool. I know. <laughs> and he's that great actor from The People <laughs> Under the Stairs. Yeah! Uh, he, he's awesome in those movies. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uncle Frank is different. It's the, I mean, the guy from People Upstairs is in Hellraiser, but he plays the dad who Uncle Frank puts his skin on. I'm trying to think of the actor who played Uncle Frank. Oh, they didn't do that in this movie, by the what, way. What part? There's no point at which somebody wears somebody else's skin. That's, That's kind of a big theme in the first two movies. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. But they did, there isn't anybody wearing a skin suit in this movie. But uh, Dear sirs. That was me typing. Angry better to... <laughs> no, no, it's only ah, their skin becoming part of their suit. But also, to go back to the lore really quick, they also went, really took the lore further with each configuration being related to like a wish that you could ask for from the Cenobites, which was kind of interesting because the first two movies, basically everybody is sort of looking for ultimate pleasure mm -hmm. from the Cenobites, but then they sort of expand it where you can get, you can bring somebody back from the dead, which is very like kind of video gamey sort of uh, like 
second level RPG, <laughs> like kind of like, oh, like you can bring your this character back. But uh, I mean, it's fine. It's cool. I, I, I should nitpick. But then you also have like the Leviathan, which is power, right? right. Where you get kind but of ultimate power. Well, that's where you become a Cenobite, right? So Right. Which was cool. And that was another... I did that. Because um, it's similar to Hellraiser 2 where that doctor becomes a Cenobite at the end of the movie. And they turn him into it. They turn this guy into... Vaughn now, into does something. he have to walk around crucified the entire time? I mean, I'm not judging, but it just seems like it's going to be difficult for him to get around. I'm sure it'll take him off, but it doesn't change the fact that it basically, like, you know, yeah. uh, like, split his penis in half and, and like, peels all the skin off, you know? Yeah. Down the middle. So Give him a big old smile. <laughs> yeah. Joker style. And they had somebody who got turned in. The doctor in the second Hellraiser, he gets the, the wire, like, the piano wire across the face. They had somebody in this movie who got that. Uh, there was joke. a pregnant Cenobite. Oh, was there? Yeah. I was laughing so hard at that uh, when we were watching it uh, last night. It's like trying to like go through the gate, and then you know you start to like see the skin like peel back a bit, and Jess is like, "Oh my god, it's drowning!" I, I don't even remember that. I, I really want to meet Jess. She sounds hilarious. But uh, uh, well, um, that setup bike didn't really do or say anything. You know how there's that there scene, were the background ones, right? You know where they're walking through the doors. Uh, you mm-hmm. got the one that has a stretched out face, yeah. which still gets to me. That one's, in my opinion, is the scariest one. And then you've got, and then in, in just out of a corner, like comes mm-hmm. out skinless with the with the full belly oh and wow, she's holding okay. her belly yeah, yeah and um they're holding their belly and uh and then there was the little one who ended up getting really fast the one that attacked i don't know how to feel about the fast cenobite because you know we like the slow methodical right and then he gets trapped in a door i'm like really dude you're like the worst cenobite see and that is the and that's the thing i kind of talked about earlier mm-hmm. where the cenobites should be kind of regal. They shouldn't be chasing people and have a little dignity. Yeah, they have dignity. It's like you can't run away from the Cenobites because they just sort of teleport to where you are. Yeah, and so I'm glad that you pointed out the whole like, oh, it was all the scheme from the get-go because when um, the Cenobites were trapped in the house, Mm -hmm. part of me was like, oh, cool, but then the other part of me was like, oh, all right. (laughs) Like, oh, I guess you can... Have we, have we tried hitting them <laughs> with with your fists? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it makes they should never be kind of weak or weakened or easy to get at. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing that's so cool about them in the first movies is that they're a little bit more omnipotent kind of. Yeah, thing. and they're indestructible. You can't escape from yeah. them. Yeah, it's like what's genius about the first Hellraiser is that the main character Kirsty. She has, like, nothing to do with any of it. The only reason she gets caught up in, and that stuff is happening is because it just happens that her uncle oh, is fine. calling them and they've moved into that house where he was doing all his rituals and stuff where he was contacting the Cenobites. And so she kind of just stumbles into it. And the real people that are involved with Pinhead and them are people that want or who want to be involved like you know they're people who are really bad like evil people who which are fun to watch you know mm-hmm. well, not let me rephrase that not fun to watch get tortured but it's um 
it's it, there's no moral ambiguity about watching mm-hmm. what's going on and, and you know not that you feel superior but like oh they were bad people pass the popcorn you right know? and that's kind of why like mm-hmm. I, I didn't like how at first I didn't like the way that she avoided being captured by them because she didn't get hit by the knife but then her brother did and he did get captured that felt so like that's not how the Cenobites work Mm-hmm. But then, you know, once they kind of wrapped up the story and we saw why they did it. I like how, like, one tiny plot point just fixed it all for you. <laughs> but that's also part of the problem, though, I think, is that it's almost like they pulled this little trick, the writers of the movie, where they sort of made, they sort of got their cake and had their cake and ate it, too. Cake where for everyone. They made this movie that's almost like a teen horror like Nightmare on Elm Street movie where Cenobites are coming after you and killing the young people in the haunted house kind of thing but at the same time keeping it this kind of like almost soap opera story more like the originals where it's like a soap opera of people cheating on each other like the wife is cheating Mm. on the husband and it's like wealthier people who want these kind of elite experiences and it's not about monsters chasing teenagers you know what i mean but they sort of did both in this movie and on one hand they brought it around and made it a traditional hellraiser story at the very end but on, on the other hand i do sort of criticize the movie for doing that kind of teen the monsters are chasing the teens in the haunted house movie. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, like golf clap to the writers. You did your, you did a good job and you did it the right way, but I have to give a little bit of chastisement for having Cenobites chasing 20 somings in a haunted house. Yeah. (laughs) Applause on one hand and a chastising finger on the the other other for kind of doing like the cheesy thing and the cool thing at the same time, basically. You're grading their paper a B plus. No, an A minus. There we go. There's got to be a minus in it. I'm like, right now, like in this, I'm like the Star Wars fan talking about (laughs) the new trilogy of uh, Star Wars movies. Like, I'm I'm like taking it, I know I'm taking it probably too far in terms of like, that's what life is for, John. Take it far. But like, I do feel like the, I feel like the Star, or like the Star Trek (laughs) fan who's like criticizing the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. I'm going to follow the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the director on Twitter and give him hell. Don't. <laughs> Not my Cenobites. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's good. <laughs> just about dying over here um i will say like i think my favorite sequence in the entirety of the movie at least visually is when you have you know the teens all trying to escape the mansion when they're inside the van and uh basically they are trapping nora at this point in time and you kind of have like that slow like okay i'm like drifting further and further apart for you even though i'm like still Mm -hmm. here but like she's like getting drawn back into the abyss so to speak by the priest i thought that was amazingly done and you know it really felt extremely isolated even though Although she was, i will say that really was one of those like times time. where i was like really you can't scream anymore 
like that. Yeah, yeah. She was like, eh. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, really, Nora? Really? You're going to go to hell. This is going to be you for a thousand years. That's, mm-hmm. that's how scared you are. Okay. All right. You do you. And I think they only did once the chains coming out and grabbing. Was it twice? Yeah. Nora and then the first guy at the very beginning. Right, right, yeah, because they did need to do Because that's a pretty iconic part of the yeah, I use it a little bit. But yeah, they put a lot of, you know, attractive people in the movie and then mm-hmm. killed them. You know, it's, as a horror fan, there's not much more you can ask for. The Cenobites are better. I mean, as crazy as that, that's like, it feels weird to, to say, say it that. Out loud. It's sort of like, it's like saying, it's like saying out loud how uh, Fury, Mad Max Fury Road is better than the Road Warrior mm. because the Road Warrior is so iconic and that was the best yeah. Mad Max movie, but Fury Road is better. It's pretty good. This movie, the as iconic as the Cenobites are in the first couple of movies, uh, this movie, they're better in this movie. Just, I think all of them are better than the, their predecessors. Except my only, my thing though, okay, like we have to talk a little bit about the voice because obviously Doug Bradley is, right. is uh, Pinhead is iconic and his voice is super iconic. And I was happy. I thought they did a good job with the new Cenobite's voice. I did like that too. And then I also liked how they were a lot more um, expressionless. I went, and let me rephrase that. Um, um, I was watching some videos of, you know, of, you know, the original Pinhead and like when he would speak, his whole face was moving Mm -hmm. like, like a normal human being, mind Mm -hmm. you. But then in the, I kind of thought that they did a a better job of making sure their faces were like more Mm -hmm. still, more frozen, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I dug. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I can't stop thinking about how pretty the new Cenobites are. Because there was the, the one that has the arch across the, like that. Mm-hmm. Where her skin is kind of pulled. Yeah, but they, they've it? also got like pearls. Right, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, the pins, all the pins are Not, like pearl ended pins. Even well, they, they're on, actual on pins, too. right? On Pinhead, yeah. right? But on this other one, they're not. Well, they might be pins. That's theoretically. Oh, well, not theoretically. Yeah, theoretically, that's what they are meant to be, I'm guessing. Like pins, but they've got a pearl end cap on them, mm-hmm. which make them look really pretty. That's what I'm saying. And. Bedazzled. They were just, you know, but bed- definitely bedazzled. the whole, you yeah. know. As with kind of the first movie, too, but even more so with this one, the whole kind of piercing culture and everything, Mm. they really, like, it felt almost kind of more along the lines of what you would see with people that are really into piercing and that kind of stuff. You know, I I will, you know, something that we could probably talk a little tiny bit about is um, you mentioned a little bit about the uh, mediaism about the first um, Mm. the original couple of movies. And, I mean, that is something, and we even saw it in The the People Under the Stairs, where you sort of inject a little bit of sexual horror into your movie. Mm-hmm. And it really, I hate to say it like this, it really adds a spice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, and I think as a kid, that's what, like, really freaked me out about it, too, right? Uh, but that's something that this movie was really lacking. They didn't really go after the, the sort of, like, weird sexual horror, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, there a better word for it? No, no. the the only The only horror aspect was her boyfriend saying that he loves her, and that was probably the first time he said it too. Just yeah. with the uh, how doggy doggy self. What? Best time to say that. Well, and that's kind <laughs> of the thing is that uh, in the first movie and the first two movies, um, it's a, it's mainly a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking for that ultimate Sensation pleasure, and, stuff, yeah. and 
this guy Vaught is not looking for that. He, I think, is probably trying to go for the the Leviathan configuration, the power. I thought at first he wanted the sexual pleasure, but that's why he got sensation in that weird thing that rotated his nerves or something. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Which, of course, yeah, they did it as keeping him in intense pain mm. all the time with that device that was constantly moving his uh, nerve, like winding his nerves and entrails. Yeah, that was right. That's right. So, yeah, he was going for sen- for sensation, and he just wanted to die. Mm-hmm. Oh, And then he's like, I do like that part where he reveals, like, I built a cage mm-hmm. about his house. And I was like, yeah, you did, buddy. Yeah, you did. He only did it in six <laughs> years. Good job. And that's what they did. I believe it's Hellraiser 4, I think. Or maybe three, where they built the the where it's Pinhead in space, and uh, they built that space station, which is also meant to be a trap Ooh. for uh, Pinhead to capture him in there. And, and I haven't seen that space. one. I might have to check it out. How many how many movies are there? Uh, too many. <laughs> There's like eight or nine or something. Crazy oh, that's too many. I've, I think I've only seen like four. Yeah, no. It, the only thing good about the, that one with the pinhead in space is that there's a storyline that comes from one of the comics from the 90s about the original guy who built the box mm-hmm. in the first place. Oh, like, neat. He was like a French toy maker oh. and he carved the original, uh, the oh, original nice. box. And then, um, and it kind of tells his backstory and they have... There's a Cenobite named Angelique in uh, that story. Who There's a Cenobite in this movie that looks a lot like that Cenobite, but I don't think they ever said her name. Mm. But I was kind of wondering if that Cenobite might be this Angelique character oh, from one of the other ones. I but, just drank this whole thing, so I gotta go take care of that. I'll be yeah, right back. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so another thing I want to bring up, too, is the... The, the woman Cenobite who is sort of Pinhead's, uh, like, almost pin, the right hand, to use a weird term, right hand man, even though she's a woman, to Pinhead. The, in the original movie, she has, like, the her neck split open, and it's, like, held open. Uh, and then they kind of had her in this movie, but her whole kind of neck and everything was much more split open, I think, and held open. But I do have to say I really loved her voice in the original Hellraiser because she's the one, you know, she talks a lot in the first movie. She has such a great voice in that movie, and I sort of missed that a little bit, In even though they did a good job with Pinhead's voice. Um, this other one, I was like, ah, oh, I do miss. Mm-hmm. She's almost equally iconic in a way. Not as much as Pinhead, but... She's really good. And then, and then they did not have a Butterball Cenobite. You know Butterball? Is he the one with the little glasses? Yeah, yeah. With Where his, with like, his eyes were moved and he has little like things. And he's kind of a, <laughs> he's like a bigger guy. He's a husky fellow. Yeah, he's a husky Cenobite. They didn't have a, a, a husky Cenobite. Mm, in this one. Well, they have the, like, again, the face, the face stretcher. I don't know what his name is, but which fuck out. and maybe they didn't want to go there with this movie but you know how this the Cenobites sort of represent different sort of vices or things that you oh. could like be into because i thought you could only like become i thought if, you, if the leviathan configuration means you become a Cenobite 
that means you are always going for power. Although your thing would explain that really weak one that runs really fast. But it's sort of that, that's sort of the monkey paw thing. Cause you know, you know, they're thinking when they want ultimate power, Yeah, they're going to get like worldly power. But then the Cenobites are like, well, actually we're just going to make you into a Cenobite. You get to see all the dimensions. Isn't that fun? But that's new, that's new lore for this movie because mm. the doctor, Dr. Chenard in Hellraiser 2 becomes, he gets turned into a Cenobite. But it has nothing to do with, they don't specify about the Leviathan configuration or anything like that. They just make him into a Cenobite because he's so cruel and he's done so much evil stuff at, at his hospital with his patients that they're just like, we're going to make you a Cenobite because you're already basically a Cenobite. You're halfway there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and he would... We're, yeah, we're just gonna do. We're just yeah, gonna do makeup. Like and he was awesome. I don't know if you got. Do you guys remember how Razor Two? Have you seen it? Uh, no. But they. I, thought I, had, him, but I don't think that's the story. I remember. He turns blue, and they put like piano wire over his face, like and stretch it over his face, and then he has this like worm attach itself to the top of his head that has a drill that goes into his brain and like scrambles his brains. And then the worm sort of carries him around by his head. <laughs> he was a great new Cenobite that they never used after that movie no. again. He didn't. I was really bummed that he didn't appear in the third. <laughs> Dear sirs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where Dog set up Dog Star in Hellraiser Two? Where is he? It's, Sincerely, not my Cenobites. <laughs> not my pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, but yeah, no, I did kind of appreciate though. I did like that extra lore. They cut it like they sort of make it a little too gamey, mm -hmm. but it's also cool at the same time. It's it's fun. Okay, so overall question though, how rewatchable is the movie? I mean, I know you've already seen it twice, T. I like I said, you know, um, I like so many things about it, but I do feel like. Meh. I want to rewatch it. Okay. I've only watched it once, and I do want to rewatch it again. I do feel that this, to me, I'll say this is the best. Hellraiser 1 and 2 are the best, and then this is the next best one. Oh, neat. That's pretty good. I think this beats every other mm. sequel besides the second one. And I'm, like, straightforward comparing it to one, because now I said I'd watch, like, three or four, but now that I think about it, I thought I'd watch two, but then you just told me the whole plot, and I haven't watched number two. <laughs> there is a 1990s Hellraiser, I forget if it's three or four, where one of the Cenobites has CDs in his head. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, ter it's literally terrible. It's Can we please watch that? <laughs> oh, fucking CDs. <laughs> There's one that has eight tracks. Talk about dated. I know. <laughs> The 1970s Cenobite with eight tracks in his head. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. And uh, Farrah Fawcett, like, skin hair. Uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, in regards to, like, rewatchability, I think as a standalone movie, I think it's probably higher. I think it's, like, as an overall Hellraiser, like, I agree with John. Like, I also put it in that order. I... 
I also haven't necessarily seen some of the, like the later sequels. I just know like once it went yeah. you know straight to VHS and DVD, obviously the mm-hmm. the overall quality went you know down the down the drains as you know you should come to expect uh, with that one. But I think in regards to like if you're looking for a more like visually driven story, or like this one is going to hold up pretty well over the course of time. But, you know, it's just those differences compared to the original, because so many people are going to compare them one-to-one when really, like, they they weren't trying to retreat too much to the original because they wanted to take things in their own direction, whether it was the lore, whether it was with the Cenobite looks. Uh, And, you know, like, for the most part, like, outside of that, like, you know, we also had different looks in regards to, like, you had one Cenobite who was, like, bleeding from her eyeballs. You had the other one... Uh, who really had like a almost like a breathing problem because of the way that she was played, which no, I, I really enjoy like just uh, well. taking, you know, pausing and taking a deep look at how they're fashioned, if only because the idea is mm-hmm. that everything that's done to them is done in such a way to uh, uh, to have the most uh, to produce the most pain, basically. So, like, for example, like you can imagine like the from the original, like the one with the open the exposed throat and like thinking of like speaking or having just wind hit that it's supposed to be pretty painful but no i agree like it was, they're a lot of fun john went to the bathroom it was his turn there you go yeah we gotta rotate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta, gotta rotate things uh yeah yeah, but I, I think for most people like if you if you saw the night house you probably I had very high expectations for this movie because a lot of people really enjoyed the night, the night house, myself included. So like, even though I had like really high expectations for this, I still felt it delivered. I wouldn't say it was too much of a letdown. It's just, I I think like the first half of the movie and then the second half of the movie do feel a little, you know, of a disconnect just because, you know, you have the whole addiction story. Then you have, you know, what we dubbed like the teenage fun house in regards to like the mansion you know, slasher aspect where they're getting picked off one by one. Um, but in in the end, it, it all came full circle. You know, the Cenobites, uh, you know, com- got their final sacrifice. You know, they they got their replacement, so to speak, in Void. Uh, so I thought, like, that was a really great way to end it. But, you know, just seeing the guy's penis get played like that, right. man, that, that, that definitely uh, was not the best the way to end it. Really <laughs> I mean, like, there, you can't say enough good things about that whole creative team that, that worked on those. Those were so incredible. But yeah. And these Cenobites are also more in line with what... The comics, you were saying? Well, not the yes. comics, but um, Clive Barker's an artist himself. Mm-hmm. And he drew what the Cenobites... He drew a bunch of different drawings of different types of Cenobites. Clive Barker is such a force. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Cenobites in this really looked like they were taken directly from some of his Neat. drawings, which is really cool. Because... The, you know, the original Cenobites are based on his drawings as well, but they, they, uh, like you mentioned, they sort of had to not make them as extreme as the drawings because probably for budgetary reasons, you right. know, they probably realized, oh, we gotta. You know, I think I'm always going to be a little harsh on like sequels because even though my brain knows that there's no way they can recreate the same feelings that the originals brought out. My heart still kind of hopes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I watch it and you're like, well, I wasn't completely horrified. I didn't pee my pants. So I guess that wasn't great. So I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always be a little harder on sequels, but oh, it's really solid movie. 
when yeah just to talk about hellraiser in general hellraiser stands out from other horror movies almost all other horror movies in a way because of the fact that it's not Freddy Krueger or Jason mm -hmm. or Michael Myers who, or any of these other monsters, Chucky, who are just like, they see a person and they want to kill a person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. They're just, these are monsters that run around killing right. things. Like that, Without this reason. is totally yeah. different. Like the, the Cenobites don't go around chasing people. You call them and they. Yeah, they come and. Yeah, it's like they're the elite monsters. They're, they're the cool monsters. They're the cool monsters. And it, and the, especially in the first two more so than this one, it's like the people involved in the story are kind of like these higher, are like not teenagers or like younger people. These are like adults having adult problems. Like <laughs> in the first movie, it's, you know, the wife. Have adult problems. It's only... <laughs> The, the wife is cheating on the husband mm -hmm. with the brother. It's like a soap opera in the mm -hmm. first movie. Yeah. You could almost pull the supernatural elements out of it, and you would just have, like, this kind of supernatural... Or, I mean, uh, you would have, like, a regular thriller of this wife right. who's, like, murdering people uh, for her... For her uh, lover. Her lover. And they have this really extreme relationship with each other, you it know? It did look pretty hot. Um and and that really like sets and then in the second movie you have this doctor who has a whole wing of patients that he's sort of messing with and experimenting with so it's this just sort of like elevated like level of of victims like quote unquote victims right mm -hmm. because they're they're all highly intelligent uh successful in their lives for mm -hmm. the most part right and um and just searching for that sort of like unattainable like high Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to call it. Right. And and exactly. Like the experience, even the what like the goals of the characters are are these sort of extra next level things. Right. Like, like their earthly desire. I mean, they might go to the box for some pleasure, but mm -hmm. really that's it's like a like an addict chasing a high where it's not there's no amount of pleasure that's ever gonna satisfy them, which is why they're going to the box, but really what they're going for is is something like that itch that they can't scratch. And they they don't care about other people. They don't they don't care about relationships really. Mm -hmm. um, it's like uh, it's like there's a great they're ready to move on. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, to the next level. To things they're that, ready to level up in evil. They're going after things that can't just be gotten by the average person. You know, not even by money. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a doc great documentary about the reality of the Playboy Mansion and Hugh Hefner, and it's sort of like what it's like for a person like Hugh Hefner who has, who can experience and do everything he wants. He's going to reach a point where he wants to go to the next level with his experiences yeah. because with his money and power, he can basically do things that the average person can't, but even that's not enough yeah. for him. And he has to go further. And that's where the Cenobites come in. You know, at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Coming for Hugh Hefner. I can just imagine Hugh Hefner making all his little bunnies trying to, you know, play like with the box. Yeah. Hugh's probably a seven bite now. I believe it. Um, but and and that's kind of cool. Like I, that really like separates it from a lot of uh, other stuff. It's like higher. I mean, it's not just your straightforward kind of like 
hit you over the head, kind of dumb, straightforward horror movie. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a more elevated experience too. The whole the freaking movies are an elevated experience. And like you that. get those great stories of uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like people are sneaking around behind their each other's backs, lying to each other, and then even you know escaping. Yeah, like. Uncle Frank figures out how to escape. How the fuck from did hell. he escape from there? That's insane. And when and that's the thing. And maybe my little complaint, another little complaint with this movie and that the other movies is that desire is like it, it's more like sort of esoteric. The mm -hmm. original Hellraisers. Frank is able to escape from hell because her what's her name uh, the what the, who he's cheating with the wife. Her desire for him is so strong that when uh, his brother cuts himself and the blood goes on the floor of the attic, Frank is able to sort of regenerate from his blood and escape hell because what's her name wants him back like so bad and he wants to get out. It's all sort of like it's not like these literal rules of like follow this text and this will happen it's more just like the desire they want it so bad that it they're able to make it happen and things Ooh. happen because of that desire <laughs> nice. I, i'm getting i'm getting you get worked up i'm getting worked up <laughs> but uh and i saw david goyer you want to look one of the writers of this movie and he's pretty good oh and you mentioned the director uh the night house, which is great. I did not realize until just recently too, that he also did the signal back in early. 2000s. Did he do the ritual? I don't, did he? Is that the one about the, the, um, the hikers in like Norway? That's a, that's a great movie. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, nice. That's a great movie. Yeah. yeah he's really good. I didn't, it's funny when you real. It's funny when you realize you're kids. a fan of someone and you didn't yeah. know you were a fan of them. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I like all his movies. Okay. The Signal was great. I remember seeing that back when it came out, and it was really unique and uh, had a really cool, like, original story. And I'm a big fan of the Ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ritual's great. The mo I love the monster in the yeah. Rituals. The monster is big, so great. bad monster. And it has like a. The front the of it looks like a body, like a person, <gasps> yeah. and, like, and it has eyes like where the oh, eyes should be. No, it's so bad. It's such a great creature in that movie, <laughs> and it looks like a deer. I love how it looks sort of like an elk or like a deer too. So cool. But yeah, good job, director. Yeah, I forget, I've, whose name I've already mm -hmm. forgotten. I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know his name either. <laughs> David. David Bruckner. <laughs> Yeah, it's he's, David Bruckner. Wow. But yeah, so so outside of that, obviously, like comparing it to the original, I think a lot of people's interest is going to revolve around Jamie Clayton's performance as Pinhead in this movie. And you know, right out of the gate, if one of your concerns is Jamie's role in this, it should not be one of your concerns. It, I mean, her performance compared to, like, say, what we got with the Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, remake with uh, what his name? Night and uh, day difference. That, you know that casting so, I was happy with when they announced it. The guy who plays Rorschach in uh, I forget mm -hmm. his name, 
who they had they cast to play Freddy. I was like, that's pretty cool casting. I'm down with that. But then, yeah, the movie was just blah. Um, but right, no, she does a great job. Uh, the voice is done well, and 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 it's funny because uh, she has this a lot of times kind of has this mm-hmm. subtle look on her face, like she's sort of subtly amused by what's happening. Like when Shatter got stabbed. Mm-hmm. And I was like... It's my favorite part. And that was another one of those things where I was <laughs> kind of like, I don't know how I feel about like the way she's acting. Yeah. But then when I realized that it was all... She was basically the puppet master and yeah. was like manipulating things, I was like, oh, okay. It actually totally makes sense because she's sort of amused with herself because she's playing her little game. Although I'm guessing the chatter uh, was a killing chatter was a surprise, which is probably a pleasant surprise because they probably know everything in the So if you can surprise them, you're going to make them happy. But yeah. And again, when chatter finally bit down an arm, I'm like, finally mm-hmm. using those teeth for something. When, and the, and the kind of cool thing about that too, is that uh, you, at least my interpretation was that pinhead, uh, sort of chose the main character to she she sort of chose her because she probably knew about her life and sort of recognized some qualities in her and she was like I'm going to pick you cuz I think you're going to succeed at the, at getting me what I want which is getting vote back and so she sort of there's a few moments here and there where Pinhead sort of allows her to continue on. Like you can tell there were a few times where it was like, Oh, Pinhead probably should just take her. And she thinks she's going to be taken. But then Pinhead sort of just like, no, 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 you Mm -hmm. keep like, I'll allow it. She's like, let's see it play out. Yeah. I'll allow it. (laughs) When she, uh, when Chatter gets killed. Yeah. She's like, all right. You know, okay. I'll I'll allow you that one. (laughs) You were Best clever part. enough to come up with that. I'll, I'll, I'll that scene totally to... woke me up too because I'd gotten a little comfortable on the couch, and you know, about to reach for my phone, <laughs> and then Shatter mm-hmm. gets it, and I'm plugged back in. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Painted was like bartering almost with her. You know, it's like, all right, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, mm. your blood. It could be this person's blood or, you know, whoever. As long as the sacrifice is made, that's all that really And then it really seemed like to, you know, at the very the end, end that uh, Pinhead was kind of pleased with her, the main character. And so she was like, now you get to choose uh, one, you know, your you get your wish and get to choose. And... You know, of course, she chooses the lament configuration without realizing it. And, the, and that was hilarious. And the Cinnaboys were like, oh, you picked the worst one. <laughs> so boring. I bet you're going to regret this. <laughs> that was really great. <laughs> but I have to say, like, I'm, again, like, I'm, I'm okay with how they wrapped up the story. But I, a little bit, though, I do have to complain that her bro- so her brother does get basically captured by the Cenobites. Yeah, I was going to ask, so he is he just like trapped in a hell being tortured forever? Well, so they have her say this line where she goes I know when she yeah, I know he's, he's home. Gone. Like and she says something about him being home like meaning I think I interpret it as meaning like he's going to have him. Is he though? But exactly, that's the thing though. Is he because 
he got captured by the Cenobites because they got him with a sticker. Yeah, that means he gets like poked and stretched and cut and peeled and. Well, and they were Julianne. using him as you know they captured him to use him as a pawn yeah. to get her. But they still got to him. Do the thing, but they got him. So it feels a little bit like a cheat. Like the writers yeah. were like, hey, "We'll have her say, you know, he's home, he's okay, and she'll choose the lament, and they'll just forget, right? That <laughs> he's getting tortured." And also, I'm a little bit unhappy with that, too, because he ended up in that position. At first, it feels like he ended up in that position because of her, because she was messing with the box. It was supposed to stick her. It didn't, and it stuck him, and he got taken. Now, we find out that was all Kinnett's plan mm -hmm. just to make things to make things happen, but it doesn't, that still doesn't change the fact, yeah, that he's still basically captured. Yeah. And he's suffering. <laughs> it's kind of, sort of, within the main character's power. It's sort of her fault, but not really, but it is within her power to get him back, and so... But you know he's not going to come back, like, it might be even worse than Yeah, that. it's the monkey's paw. Yeah, it's I feel like sad. the further, yeah, the more you ask for, the worse it gets, like, because mm -hmm. I guess there's a, there's a Lazarus configuration but who the fuck knows what that's gonna look like and i guess the, it, thinking about it now as we talk about it the lazarus configuration is sort of does actually sort of fit in the lore because of course as we've seen uncle frank is able to come back but he doesn't obviously they don't specify yeah. that in the previous movies but uncle frank is able to come back twice in uh in the movies or no well it's no it's julia that's her name the the wife that's right julia comes back in the second movie and frank comes back mm -hmm. in the first movie so there is sort of that precedent for the lazarus thing although is it though the lazarus thing because i'm not well not technically because that doesn't yeah. exist in the so who knows movies. what it actually looks like and yeah. it might have been something horrifying again, and again yeah. that's they come back because of the desire of the person who wants to bring them back and well, it's the mix of the box, but it's also the intent of the person doing it. And so the wish, having it be in this movie like a wish, like you've sold the box and now you get your wish and you can bring that, you know, it's up, is like, that's definitely not how it worked in the other ones. But I guess, you know, new lore, new rebooted series, new lore, new lore. you know. Yeah, nothing wrong with a little new lore. Mm -hmm. Not much satellites. And it does, doing all this new lore does set them up to be able to do sequels and uh, things. And I hope they do this. I hope uh, the sequels are kind of like each independent stories. You yeah, know, and be not nice. following the same characters or the same things, but have whole new uh, situations. But it's definitely left that way. I mean, mm. the cube was left out in the open and abandoned mansion that still has functioning lights. Which, also, to point out real quick, I was like, oh, my God, this is so dumb that this mansion was just left intact, yes, abandoned. Right, but the guy was still there. Yeah. There was no security or anything. It was a I trap. I was like, that's so dumb. But it was a trap. And so, so I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. fine. I felt that way about it, too. I was like, oh, the lights work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's, there's zero cameras or security at all. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> and then oh. I'm like, oh, and this like these metal things work. But then you're like, oh, wait, it wasn't there from the get-go. That was just built in the last six years. It should be per working perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it's sort of like, it's that like, uh, it's like, 
even though they justify it and explain it in a good way at the very end of the movie. There was a lot of moments when you were like, ugh. Yeah, the fact that <laughs> it does that and it goes for that long without <laughs> justifying it or explaining it is still not great. Like, that's why I can see why people are criticizing this movie because I could imagine people sort of checking out halfway in or three quarters of the way and just being like, I know what this movie is. This is yeah. dumb. I got your number. Yeah, exactly. I know how this is going to end. Like, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. You know, and not sticking around to the very, very end and realizing, oh, okay. Which, in fairness, like like we're saying, like, in fair, I get it. Like, in fairness, it's like I can actually understand why people kind of are having that reaction to the movie. Because um, it's like they do wait until the last 10 minutes of the movie to be like, ha-ha. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was all my plan from the beginning. Mwah. <laughs> and you're like, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was... Um, well, I've had a really fun podcast, even though uh, it was a little mixed about again. the movie. Although generally I liked it. It's been a lot of fun talking about it. And it's been a lot of fun about... Getting your take on that, John. You gotta. You, you really know your Clive Barker. <laughs> yeah, I. I really liked the first Hellraiser when it came out, mm-hmm. and uh, and his short stories and stuff. I don't know if you've ever, if you guys have ever read the Books of Blood, but those are really good books. You you sound like you even have his cookbook, so I think <laughs> you're you're a verified fan. But uh, I've even played his video games. <laughs> uh, I think it's called Undying or something Ooh. like that. Uh, but he had a video <laughs> was it a Nintendo? PC. Oh, that was PC game. All right, yeah, it's like a 90s. You can still get, actually buy it. Uh, today. Was it good? It's okay. Many it's not, hours. Oh, not that. I, I Like a couple. Not that much. <laughs> like a couple? That's I, it? I played it a little bit. It's like it's a 90s uh, like sort of <laughs> RPG first person game. So it's kind of janky. Oh, yeah. But it's also kind of cool. You know, it's like lots of repeating mm-hmm. like brick walls that you're walking by, and really weird rough graphics. And, yeah, it's like, but it's okay. It's all right. It's pretty, it, you can probably buy it for like a dollar. <laughs> probably bootleg it. Right? Yes, it <laughs> that's probably the only way you can get it. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they make sequels to this though, because no, it seems sure like it's generally and also it seems like that's the way of the world these days. Mm-hmm. Nothing but sequels. You know, so yeah, T. This is. This really mm-hmm. is like the Evil Dead, re- like it feels in a lot of ways like that Evil Dead remake. Because that's, the Evil Dead remake got a lot of negative reviews, but I think it's a legitimately good movie. It, it, I think the Evil Dead reboot and this reboot have the same problem where they're both legitimately good movies, but they have the problem of having a super famous IP name attached to them, which raises the standard yeah. that they're going to be judged by by like ten times as much as if if yes. this were just like its own thing. I, if this were its own thing and nobody had ever heard of Hellraiser and this amazing. was the first Hellraiser movie, people would be like, "This movie's awesome! Oh my god, it's so cool!" <laughs> but the fact. The fact that was the torch. I literally don't know who that is. That might be a centipede. <laughs> Everybody I know is in this room. And, and same with but same with Evil Dead. Evil Dead's a great movie, <laughs> but the fact that it's Evil Dead, everybody's like, "Oh, well, you know, it's not as good as." Yeah, you know. and it's that's the gamble, you know. 
that's 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 one of the reasons why they had to up the gore so much with the Evil Dead remake. I mean, they needed a reason to really stand out. That's why they kept leaking a lot of like those behind the scenes shots ahead, like well ahead of when mm-hmm. the movie was actually coming out. Very similar to like the Piranha 3D uh, movie when that was coming out too. Uh, but you know, for the, for the most part, obviously, like this is a very storied franchise, and you know, next week. Uh, is going to be a little bit more of the same because we have uh, Halloween Ends, which is what we're going to be doing next week on the podcast. And, you know, I've avoided the spoilers. All, all I basically know is, you know, that the oh. basically said this is going to be his season of The Witch. Now, take that for what it is. It's going to go in some different directions, and it might... It might not uh, entice everyone, and it might not be for everyone, and uh, we'll see for ourselves what exactly really that is going to mean in regards to the way that that, uh, You know, recently she's been doing a little bit of, I mean, let me rephrase that. The things that I've heard from her recently, which isn't a lot, but you know, every once in a while you'll come across something on social media like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like she's giving less fucks about just about everything. So it's kind of exciting to think if that's going to seep into the character, which would make a lot of sense. And uh, and just kind of see a, a, a grittier, rougher, more badass version, which she's already really badass, but it's just, it's going to be even more so. So I'm excited to see that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. She was great in that, not the last Halloween, but the one before the, I forget what that was called. But she was really good in that one where she was kind of like turning the tables on Michael Myers and and they did the iconic shot of uh, like from the first movie where he falls off the balcony and then he's suddenly not there anymore and they do that with her in the remake. That was all really fun. That was cool. Yeah. So yeah, she's awesome. And I I get the Mm -hmm. inkling that it's going to be more of a defeated uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, uh, emotionally that is. So wait, is Michael Myers in this one? I don't know. He is. He, I mean, he, I mean, I he was, is the movie. But right? if they're because season of the witch, of course, did not have Michael Myers in it. Unless you count Baby Myers, I guess. I don't know. Was he? But in, wait, am I? Isn't season of the witch the one that's all about the masks that turn people into whatever? Like I forget what. It's a yes. weird. It's actually like an interesting mm-hmm. movie, but I haven't seen it. Oh, I thought that was Baby Michael Myers for some stupid reason. Whoops. No, this is the one where it's, it's about the company that makes Halloween masks, and when you put them on, they, like, fuse to your face and turn you in, like, they kill you or something. I don't think I'm talking, well, I don't think we're talking about the same movie. I think I'm talking about another movie. Sorry. Well, no, because that's the weird thing about Season of the Witch, is that it's, it's like the one Halloween <laughs> movie that's radically different. Is that the Rob Zombie one? No, no, that's the later one. That's the one I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. No. Was the Rob Zombie one the one where where Laurie turns the tables? Or that's the one after that's the Rob Zombie one. Yeah, the, the Rob Zombie one was like in like early lore kind of stuff, I believe. And not the Buster Rhymes one either, which came out in the early 2000s. <laughs> the Buster Rhymes song. 90s and early 2000s, what a mess. Dude, that was a dark... The, <laughs> the dark early 2000s horror. was a dark time for yeah. horror. It really was. <laughs> There were but now we're in the golden age of horror. <laughs> that was the era where people considered Jeepers mm-hmm. Creepers to be the best oh, horror movie. Oh, I hate that movie. Yeah, thank like, God. When people are saying Jeepers Creepers is the best horror movie out, you know there's a problem. 
I don't want to start shit, but luckily, like, we've only got, like, so many subscribers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Am I the only one that doesn't like Justin Long? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about Justin Long. I don't like him. I don't hate him, but I'm but like, how him. is he famous? I don't yeah. understand. I I like the I like the Sam Raimi movie Drag Me to Hell. Yes, but he's definitely kind of not. He was great in that though. Like he's good, his character. Like, and then there's Tusk. I don't hate his movies, Tusk. but it's. Yeah. I think people hate him because of the those I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials that he was in. Remember, remember those from the early two thousands? I I guess the the reason is like maybe it's jealousy because I'm like you're super average. Mm -hmm. How come I'm not famous like you? <laughs> So maybe that's maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's that. Maybe I'm just a horrible person. God, they've you know now that yeah. we're it's like all these remakes. It, I'm gonna predict it right now because we're wearing the shirts. But I feel like where's like when is the? It, it seems inevitable that we're gonna get the <laughs> Reanimator Yay! reboot or remake. I mean, how is that not happening? How has that not been announced? Already? I know, right? That's gonna be crazy if they do that. They're they're really gonna have to nail the casting of Herbert West. Deersters. Yeah. I I mean, if they don't get Herbert <gasps> West right, Evan Peters. Evan Peter Peters. V. Evans. I forget <laughs> how his name. That's uh, he's the new Dahmer. Oh yeah, yeah. He'd be awesome. He could. That's true. It would have to be sort of yeah, somebody similar. Yeah, he could do that. He'd definitely do that. Nice. And then Dan, who would be Dan Kane? I could kind of be anyone in a lot of ways, really. Be like Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I love Chris Evans. Chris, or uh, who's the other Chris from uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy? Chris Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. It'll be Chris Pratt as the MK. Yeah, what happened <laughs> with that? Like... Well, people already have it out for Chris Pratt after that Mario. The, the, oh, the Mario trailer dropped and everyone's like... His celebrity. Wait, that, that's his so voice? Mario, right? That's the whole point. <laughs> Well, right. Yeah. Well, it's well, more they, so. It sounds um, nothing like Mario. Really well in the Lego and he's just like using his Chris Pratt voice. Did he? Who? What did he play? Wasn't he like the lead in the in the Lego movie? Was I, he like Batman or something? I think so. Oh. Yeah. Right. Right. He. I can't remember who he played, but I do remember that he was the lead, and then mm -hmm. everybody loved. Him, I have so. no idea. It was kind of funny. I don't know what happened to that dude, though. We, everybody went from love from loving him to hating him, and I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> so he has a uh, well, not to get too, but he he's a member of a church that's like question has. I think I heard something like that. Oh, the tea going on mm. is the tea on that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't believe in that stuff, but he, you know. But I go to church every week. But, but <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's this one specific. I can't remember the name of it, but it's this specific church. That's what. That's all it is, too? Because I wondered, I mean, I heard about that. I just didn't think it was, like, a big enough deal to be, like, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's for sure. True. I mean, There's that, too, for look, sure. I mean, because could just between, because um, he's been in a Arsene lot of stuff. And Guardians of the Galaxy, like, we were all in love with him, right? Yeah. And then, like, he buffed up for Guardians of the, the Galaxy, so we're all, we were all like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was quick. It's fatigue for me, for fatigue. sure. Yeah, that's how I feel about he's in it. everything. He's in yeah. everything, and the, especially 
the I really don't. I I like him in, obviously in Guardians of the Galaxy and, and that stuff, but I don't like him in the Jurassic Park movies. I I don't like any of those new Jurassic. Park yeah, movies. me. I want to see the new new one because I haven't seen it yet. Where they bring everybody back, but I heard it was bad too. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it was basically an excuse to bring as many dinosaurs onto the screen as they can. I I enjoyed it more than the one they did prior to that, but like the first half of it kind of feels like a James Bond movie because they do like these really weird things with like like action well, sequences and like trying to steal but something. Yeah, it, it was really bizarre. <laughs> so Halloween, it's Halloween ends. Are they really we've hit trying? The mark. To... We've, we've hit an hour and thirty minutes. Okay, we can wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> Are they really trying to claim that this is the last Halloween? Though? I think they're saying that's the last one with Jimmy Lee Curtis. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the one with the trilogy. It's, okay. it's the last one for the trilogy. Mm-hmm. She's definitely probably retired. Unless they give her a whole bunch of money. of money to come back for another one. Retirement is expensive these days, so, mm-hmm. you know, she might just keep making them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to bring my girl Daniel oh, Harris. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm excited really for the rest of the month. I'm excited for November. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck that we're doing all new stuff. So, although lots of competition with the reviews online, by the way. So, after Halloween ends, is that when it's the Spirit Store one, or is is that that Sissy, or is that the Midnight Club, or is that? (laughs) (laughs) I took a screenshot. You guys not even remember at this point. He took a screenshot and just got buried. It's it's Spirit Halloween on the nineteenth. Okay, yeah. Perfect. Oh wait, no, no. uh, It's Halloween ends and then I feel like we for the rest of the month kind of made T do the Halloween Spirit. Yay! I'm excited. (laughs) Oh my god! And not going to a Spirit Halloween store is going to feel like going and doing the experience. (laughs) I mean, I just. It is. Uh, well, like uh, I, I just know, like it's gonna be more of a like family yeah. horror right. movie, which well, I'm, no, I'm fine is, with. Like it definitely has goosebump vibes to it, so I'm the, excited to check. Like, yeah, the trailer, for it, yeah, and it's literally classified as a family movie. And oh, I was like, oh shit. okay, it might still be fun, but yeah, it could still be fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that uh, that one that was about the the young adult author. Mm-hmm. Or um, what was the one where it's oh Gory? Is that his name? Uh, Edward Gorey or something. What was the one where there's it's the it's the, the short little stories. girl who's written that way. It's short stories and it's the there's the scarecrow one. Oh, uh, tales to still say in the dark. Or yeah, yeah, that's what the where it's Guillermo like young del Toro. Adult family. Yeah, well, I don't know. Something no, like that, that one is that's but, something else. It was something that else. came out for years, but that one was mm-hmm. a, a family kind of young adult one and was actually pretty cool. It wasn't too bad. So maybe this will be good. Yeah. And if it's not, we can talk about that too. Exactly. Cause we... Exactly. I still don't have a costume. We can talk if it's about, not, we'll uh, just talk about our costume. Get, which I'm going to probably get a costume at the spirit store. So it'll be Ooh. meta. Because I'll actually have a spirit store. We might be doing a band costume too. Yeah. Because okay. we're going to, we're performing on the 29th. At a house party, so nobody else is invited. <laughs> but uh, but Joe's really, he's like, we need a band costume. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we might all be Ghostbusters. Who knows? That's going to be like, that's going to be the lazy one. Totally. 
never works. But uh, but yeah, next week we got Halloween ends. So uh, that that I'm sure that's gonna be another lengthy discussion because uh, yeah, you know I know all of us were not too fond of the last one. <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah, I want me like he he's more of an intense fan. Mm-hmm. So are you are you a big fan of the series? <laughs> he's a you know, mellow, but he's the like, original, uh-huh. like the are you like a mm-hmm. classic? The the first one is the best one. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I actually like the second one the most, personally. Yeah, which is much slower. That it's got yeah, that. Well, a lot of it has to do with the pacing, pacing of the first movie. For before me. they uh, sped things up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When they right. before they stopped smoking the ganja so much and made a quicker mm-hmm. movie. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. John Carpenter is awesome, of course. Wasn't he involved? Didn't he? I think he's doing the soundtrack for this new one, isn't he? <gasps> I, for some reason, I thought I read that, but I could be wrong. I love like how horror involved. movie directors are like so like uh, multi talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time I like you hear, it was like, oh yeah, they also play the bassoon. What? So mm-hmm. it's uh, I like that. He's been touring, playing his movie music, John <laughs> Carpenter. Fuck yeah, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I've not been able to see him in concert, but I know plenty who have. Yeah, that they've, would uh, really they've, cool they've all raved about it, uh, seeing him in person. That'd be awesome. Like the Thing uh, soundtrack and stuff like that. Back when soundtracks were good and not just pop music layered over a fucking movie. Oh, they did, at least in this movie, they, they really used the original Hellraiser <laughs> music and theme a lot in it, which was nice. They're that going back cool. a little bit. The yeah. soundtracks are coming back, which is mm-hmm. great. It, I like that they did the classical score for this one with the original music that was cool and they even kind of like revamped it they had like a scarier version of it that they were playing at times too neat nice anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry we're wrapping it yeah because i gotta go to the bathroom again <laughs> <laughs> yep all good yeah, yes. <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap things up. Of course, the best way to keep in contact with our podcast is to find us uh, online. You can find all of our video content on YouTube at Handle with Scarepod. Uh, we're also over on Twitter. We can find all of our latest updates at Handle with Scare. Uh, but for now, guys, that will do it for us here tonight. We look forward to uh, checking out the new Halloween and seeing what the sort of shenanery they tried to pull in regards to that lore. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows even know what to expect from that. But, uh, you know, maybe 20 years later, it will get the season of the witch treatment where, you know, right now everyone might hate it. And then years from now, people are going to look back fondly on it. Who knows? Only time is going to tell. But we'll see you guys back for Halloween ends next week. You guys take care. <laughs>